Next Bible reading is continuing on where we left off, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, to the end of the chapter. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped right and but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Excellent, I get to choose. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Gee, you're not sounding very festive. Let's try that again. I want you to say it loud enough for Colin and Sharon to hear you at home, all right? Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh, no, no, I've got it wrong from the get-go. I'm so sorry, Colin. I know how much you hate saying Merry Christmas. It's, sorry, let's try again. It's Happy Christmas, all right? Happy Christmas, everyone. All right. I'm here trying to do my best Colin impersonation. Like, he rang me a couple of days ago. He said, look, I'm out. There's a good soccer game on. Oh, no, sorry, my wife's got COVID. Um, If you don't know Colin, you know that he loves Manchester United and loves talking about Manchester United. So uh, I thought, how can I do my best Colin impersonation this morning? Well, the first thing I did, I spent two hours shaving myself. All right, so here I am, uh, trying to look like Colin. But for those who know Colin as your pastor and those who don't, he's got some pretty cool little colonisms, I call them. Um, You know, you all right then? You all right? Something like that anyway. So you've probably got your own. Um, I tried to find my loudest Christmas shirt. He would be in a seriously loud shirt. This is true, brother, isn't it? You'd be here this morning in a really loud Christmas shirt. You guys love Christmas, but sorry, you've got to wait another whole 12 months, guys, to be here next year. So come back so you can actually be here with them. Now, but I think the real reason, Colin, I reckon the real reason you asked me here to help you out this morning is your favourite Christmas movie. Does anyone have a favourite Christmas movie? Yeah? Well, uh, I think Colin and I have the same favourite Christmas movie. Who's with me on this one? It maybe could be more for the blokes. Die Hard. <laughs> Die Hard 1. 
This is right, isn't it, Colin? Die Hard 1. It's the ultimate rescue story. A bloke, he's coming back for Christmas, he's there, but suddenly he's in an impossible situation. He's got to save his wife from these bad, bad people. And, of course, he does. You know, he wins the day. And that's the whole point of Christmas, isn't it? Have you been saved this year? Have you been rescued from a hopeless situation, I wonder? Let me just pop this here and pop this just down a little bit. Um, have you ever been saved out of a seriously hopeless situation? I've got a photo here of, um, uh, of some dolphins. So Todd Endress, he was struck three times by a shark while he was out swimming. And he, he seemed lost. They were coming in for the final kill until some bottlenose dolphins surrounded him and brought him safely to shore. How about that? Uh, Yan Yun... She's a, one of those people who likes to see how long you can hold your breath, how deep you can go, those deep sea divers, you know. Anyway, she went down so deep, she got so cold, she got paralysed, couldn't come to the surface. She was saved when a beluga whale came up to her and brought her to the surface. Wow. But here's my favourite story. It's about Lulu, the pot-bellied pig. Her owner dropped to the floor. Her owner had had a heart attack. Lulu waddles out into the middle of the road and plonks herself down. Someone stops. What's going on? Brings the pig back, sees Lulu's owner lying on the ground, calls an ambulance. She's saved. How would you be? Saved by your pet pig. You might have a Christmas story to share over morning tea or at Christmas lunch today, but have you ever been saved out of a hopeless situation? Christmas matters, and it's good that we're here this morning, because it's when the unthinkable happened. When God himself came down in person to save humans from a seriously hopeless and hard situation. That's why we heard in that reading how uh, on the eighth day, when Mary and Joe, they bring their baby to the temple um, to be circumcised and fulfil all of the, the rites that new parents of a firstborn son were meant to do, with, which is what we heard according to the law of Moses... And they named him Jesus. Now why that's there is that we're being told that from the very beginning, this baby, this Jesus, is perfectly qualified by God to save people. It's the same name the angel had told Mary to to call him before she was even pregnant, wasn't it? You'll call the baby Jesus. Now who knows what their name means? Might want to share that as well. My name, John, means God is gracious. A word that means undeserved favour, undeserved kindness. My wife, she says hello for those who know her, Gita. Her name means sacred song or poem. Now your fearless leader, Colin, his name means whelp or cub. How's that one? So next time you see Colin, say, how you going, whelp? Colin. And how's this? His wife, Sharon... It's, it's from the Hebrew that means fertile plain. Did you know that, Robert? You're, you're part of her fertile plain. Here you are, in the flesh. Jesus is a name that means God saves because Jesus is God saving. Jesus' name is his mission. Christianity is a rescue because human beings need God to save us from a really hard and hopeless situation. And Luke's record of that first Christmas, it's like God walking through the Earth's airport arrival lounge, okay? And, and Luke's record um, 
we're told that, well, actually not many had any idea that God was even coming in person to save them. And in fact, Jesus' own people, Israel, most of them had forgotten what God had promised, that he was even coming. But we heard, didn't we, that there were two people who were waiting, waiting a very long time. They were there in the temple every day, hanging out for years because God had revealed to them that they would not die until they had seen God's self-saviour in the flesh. And so just remind you a bit of that story we heard read out, the second reading. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. It's a word that means saviour king. Now that's a funny thing that he was waiting for, isn't it? Did you pick it up? Luke tells us that Simeon had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, That's God's Old Testament people. Now what do you think of when I say the word consolation? The consolation prize is the prize you get when you lose, isn't it? Has anyone ever received, you know, second, third in a raffle, the consolation prize? Um, Consolation, it comes from the word to console, which means to comfort. Now, when my grandson, Ari, he's two years old, when he gets a cut or or a bump, he he comes up and goes, I've got a boo-boo, I've got a boo-boo. And part of the way he loves to be comforted is you put a Band-Aid on the boo-boo, even if there's nothing there. You put the Band-Aid on and he goes away off, you know, to play. And we all have these sort of comfort band-aids in life, isn't it? You know, life is stressed and busy. I think I might actually watch a whole series on Netflix. Whatever, we've got all our ways we sort of comfort ourselves, isn't it? But being consoled, it's about being comforted in a time of hardship or suffering. The Bible story of humanity is that from the very beginning we get ourselves lost from God, really lost, because we just think from the get-go that life is better without God. That, in fact, it's better if I play God, it's better, I'm sure I can do a better job of, you know, calling the shots in my own life. This has not only brought suffering and hardship and conflict and, um, for, for humanity and, and death. But the Bible tells us it's actually why our world groans the way it does. It's groaning because of the weight of our own sin, our own me first rebellion against God. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I don't particularly like when um, you know I'm completely ignored or not listened to, especially if it's your children. But it's sort of like that. I mean, all of humanity, we're all God's children, and so just think about it. The God of the universe, who gives everything in life, like everything, surely He's got the right to be upset. He's actually got the right to abandon us and say, well, okay, I'll leave you to your own devices. But no, God turning up in person in his own son at Christmas is God saying, I refuse to give up on humans as broken as they are. I refuse to give up on this world as broken and stuffed as it is. Jesus' arrival is God coming to sort out the rift between people and God, to deal with this rebellion and all its consequences once and for all. And it's not some last-minute plan. You know, plan B, God, now, okay, blokes, quick question, quick poll. Come on. We can be honest here. 
Who left your shopping until yesterday? Come on, be honest. Who shopped yesterday? Well, here we go, Graham. Rightio. Excellent. I know there's more out there. I do, because I'm a bloke as well. Hundreds of years before Jesus, God had made some really cool promises that a time of comfort or consolation would come with the arrival of his Messiah, his son, his king. And so I've got an example here behind me. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now those words were spoken 800 years before Jesus rocked up. It's a reminder that Israel's real enemy. It's not the government of the day. Theirs was Rome. No, no. And, and let me say, the rule was really harsh. It was horrible. You stepped out of line. The way they brought peace was with the, the sword of a soldier. Now, what is God's long-promised message of comfort and consolation? Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, double for all her sins. See, that's her real problem. Simeon knew that with the arrival of God's Messiah, God himself was coming to pay double for all humanity's sin, including his. Now, Graham, I don't know what you paid for that um, phenomenally lavish present that you gave Robin. Maybe there's another one waiting at home, I'm not sure. A new camper trailer or something. But anyway, um, did you pay double for what it was worth, though? No. See, if you go into a shop and you say to the shopkeeper, look, is it okay if I pay double for what it's you're asking for? I mean, you know you've really, really paid for it, don't you? And that's the whole point, is... God paying double for our sin, yours and mine, is saying, look, it's the perfect, more than necessary um, payment needed for any person's failure to love and honour God as he's worth. No matter who you are here this morning, what you've done, what memories, what guilt is there, sitting there, there's no wrongdoing that will not be paid for by this Christmas child for those who will receive him. This comfort, comfort, it's God declaring the most phenomenal pardon for any human who will receive and rejoice in Jesus as God's salvation for them, the same way that Simeon and Anna do. You see, Simeon knew, we heard, didn't we? Simeon knew that God's consolation and rescue, it wasn't just for Israel, it was for all nations. It's why he goes on and says, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, or your servant can depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles. That's anyone who's not Jewish. And the glory of your people Israel. Like That's like, that's everyone. God's consolation or comfort is for people of all nations. Now that's big. That's a big rescue. Even bigger than Die Hard. Like Simeon. He's alluding to another one of these God promises long ago, actually, with these words. In fact, he's alluding to heaps of them. Let me just give you one. This is also from Isaiah. Listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices. Together they shout for joy. For the Lord has comforted his people. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm, his powerful arm, in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. You think, well, who were the watchmen? Well, we meet a couple here, don't we? Simeon and Anna, a watchman and a watchwoman. You know, it's, it's sad actually as you read through Luke's gospel 
how many people, especially the educated, the elite, the religious leaders of the day, they all miss Jesus. It's like they're watching and waiting in the wrong airport terminal. Not Sim and Anna, two ordinary people, really ordinary people. And did you pick up how, what, what a tough life they've had? Anna lost her, her husband after seven short years. She would have been married before she was 20, way before she was 20. That's meant she's spent the better part of 60 years as a widow. But both shout for joy at seeing God's salvation there in the flesh, in the temple on that day in Jerusalem. Now, in our instant sort of gratification, I'm hungry, I'll ring up Uber Eats, you know, it's just so hard to fathom waiting decades for something or someone to arrive. I mean, we get frustrated if we get stopped by too many red lights or, you know, if my pizza's 20 minutes late or something or... I don't know what frustrates you. We're not good at waiting. But Christmas has got announcing the waiting is over. The waiting is over for all humanity. As we, as we turn then for the home straight uh, towards your Christmas lunch today, wherever it is, or however many Christmas meals you've got ahead of you, what does this mean? What's the takeaway for us? Well, what does Simeon say? Lord God, I can now depart or die in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. It's the peace of knowing that we are not abandoned by God, that you're not abandoned by God. It's the peace that comes from knowing that this God really, really is in control despite the turmoil of of Simeon's own life and the world around him. It's the peace of knowing there is real flesh and blood hope with the arrival of God's long-promised Christmas child. It's the peace knowing that every sin... Every little act of rebellion that's put Simeon and his people at enmity with God is going to be paid for double, perfectly, completely by this Christmas child. Simeon's an old bloke. He's not around when God actually makes peace for his sin by Jesus' death on the cross. That won't happen for another 30 years at Easter. But still he says he can depart in peace because he knows that God's got him, that God's in control. He can depart in peace because he knows that it's by this Christmas child that God really is remaking a broken humanity, mending that relationship between people and God, that God really is remaking a broken world. (laughs) It's like the father who, uh, the dad, um, who woke up Really early one Christmas morning, he was determined to get a head start on the kids because he loves his morning coffee, loves reading the Christmas newspaper. So there he is, he's up. But he wasn't three sentences in when his five-year-old daughter appeared. Well, yeah, how can I enjoy my coffee and paper? Hmm. He saw a big picture of the world in the newspaper, so he cuts it out, cuts it up into all these pieces, gives this to his five-year-old daughter and says, Hey, darling, how about you go next door in the lounge? And here's a roll of sticky tape. And have a go putting the world back together. And so she trots off, you know, happily. Off she goes. And he settles back into his coffee, his paper. He's not halfway through his coffee. And she just runs back in and says, Dad, Dad, I've finished holding up a picture of the world put together. And he goes, what? Wow. that's I knew my daughter was smart, but seriously? How did you do that? Oh, Dad, it was easy. 
on the back of the, the cut-up picture of the world, I worked out there was a picture of a man. And if I made the man right, I'd make the world right. Friends, Christmas. At Christmas, God is saying, I've made this man right. He's perfect. He alone is qualified to remake whatever's broken in your life and to remake this broken world. And that's what he's doing. And he's done it by his cross for the forgiveness of your rebellion and mine. God has been preparing his salvation over thousands of years in the public marketplace of history before all the nations. God turns up and sadly, not too many people realise and see this salvation that God has prepared for them. And here's the point. There is no person here this morning and there's no person outside the front door of your house on your street, in your suburb, in this city. There is no person living in the most remote communities in Australia or overseas for that matter, for whom God has not prepared this Christmas child to save them. Part of my role uh, with Bush Church Aid is travelling to all sorts of places. Uh, this year earlier I was up in Roxby Downs uh, mining town in the middle of nowhere in the desert. I don't know if you've ever been there. But I was um, sitting down with a bunch of people from the church at the Roxby Downs pub, as you do, enjoying a good snitty, and started chatting to this lass across the table. Her name was B, not a real name. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm about to have a baby in, in a couple of months' time. And, and she was young. And I just asked her about her life. And she says, well, in summary, from her first breath, in fact, before she took her first breath, her daily challenges have been many. The moment she was conceived, her mum did not want her. And so the day she was born, her mum left her and hasn't seen her since. She's been raised by her dad. She's a Roxby girl. Dad works 12 hours in the shifts in the, in the mine, 12 hour shifts in the mines. The father of her soon to be born baby left her when he found out she was pregnant. Hadn't seen him since. B shared how one Sunday morning, about six months earlier, she was out walking alone. She heard this singing coming from people inside this Roxby Downs community church. And she just decided just to go in. She did. She walked in. She was immediately welcomed. In fact, one of the, one of the mums, Gemma, another young mum with three small kids, welcomed her and befriended her. And she said, oh, do you know that there's actually a, a, a group that meets in towns for, for first-time mums? And so she took her along to that, uh, inviting her to church every Sunday, invited her to their, their midweek Bible study group. And B shared how, without knowing anything about God, having never stepped into a church before, she was starting to discover a God who loved her, a saviour Jesus who came to die for her, to let her know that she's not alone, doesn't need to go through life alone, to get her to know that she's greatly loved. To let her know that everything that matters about her future and the future of her baby to be born, God's taken care of in his cross. 
forgiven. To let her know that whenever the day of her death may arrive, that she's safe and saved. That God himself will be there to lead her safely through death to life with this God forever. Do you know this? Here is the peace, here is the joy of knowing this rescue for your life this Christmas. And that invitation really is for any of us here this morning. Uh, if it's been a while or never, if you've never read uh, the Gospel of Luke, it only takes an hour and a bit to push the pause button, to find some time to sit down maybe with a coffee, <laughs> not read the newspaper, but read again the wonder of this story. And through the eyes and the ears of those eyewitnesses who were there, to be literally put in the manger, to be put there, to be there, and for yourself to see God's salvation that he has spent thousands of years preparing for you, your family, for people in your street, to see afresh and know the peace and the joy and the wonder for you this Christmas. I can't say talk to Colin afterwards because he's not here. So you can talk to me, but um, talk to the people you've come with this morning if that's new or fresh for you. Uh, as a little thank you, uh, these little really good news of Christmas are there for the kids and your family. You might like to take one. There are plenty on the table out there and find a moment to read it as a family. A really special thing to do at Christmas. But I thought what I might do is just finish praying for us all as, as we head out. Uh, into our days uh, and into whatever um, the year holds for us ahead. Will you pray with me? Merciful Father, uh, thank you so much um, for this really good news Christmas story uh, that we have uh, in the Gospel of Luke, one of four Gospels. Thank you that simply by reading the Gospel... Your word becomes living, it, it, it puts us there, that we are able, just like Simeon and Anna, to see this beautiful salvation, this Jesus whom you've spent thousands of years preparing for each of us, to save each of us, to bring forgiveness and redemption and reconciliation for us, so that we too can know the peace and the joy of living each day, whatever happens and whenever Whenever you punch our ticket and we die, we can know that we are saved and safe in your arms, that you will bring us safely through death home to you to enjoy life with you. There's so much going on in our world, makes us feel like more than ever, things feel out of control, floods up the river land, uh, we've got a war in Europe, COVID continues to be rampant, people are dying, not to saying just the ordinary stuff of life, illnesses, cancer... Um, loss of jobs, rising costs of living, so many things that just makes life hard and sucky. But thank you that at this time we remember you really are in control, that you're sovereign, that you're Lord, and what a beautiful saviour, what a beautiful God of comfort you really are. So may we be a people of good news this Christmas. Help us, maybe, to get alongside and comfort those people you've put in our lives 
with this good news of comfort and joy. Father, give thanks for this morning that we can gather here. I give thanks to your people here. And as we head out to our Christmas lunches, uh, our festivities, we're reminded of, I guess, the brokenness in our life and families, but also of the joy of the goodness of meeting together. We pray that you would go with each of us. You might even speak through us. Help us to be these people of good news, joy and peace and comfort to our families this Christmas. We pray this for your glory. We pray this for our good. And we pray this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.